My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a person with free time. And I will be again soon because we're going on a short hiatus. And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode or just wait until the end where we'll explain them again. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind, especially if you also do a podcast about Burn Notice (laughs) at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod, and that is noticed with a D in both cases. (laughs) So this episode, Lesser Evil, aired on March 5th, 2009. It was written by Big Daddy Nicks, of course, and directed by Tim Matheson. So we're in... Oh, interesting. I like in, this episode more than I usually like Big Daddy Nicks episodes. I do, too. And I I do will say theory? the direction got better as it went on. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have any major notices with the direction. But, like, this was a much more coherent episode, like, than I am used to for... A, for a series finale of this show, because um, this show sometimes, like, panics that it needs to do something big and splashy, but this time at least, like, had an actual character to deal with for that. Um, but also, like, yeah, it's just, it was, like, it was strangely coherent for, Ana- for, for Nixie. Well, well good I for think you, bud. that's down to two reasons that are sort of related. Okay. I think it's, one, this episode is just an action movie. There is no real plot. There's no story. There's like a little bit of story involving, I guess, Michael's relationship to Victor or whatever. But it's very minor. This is all action plot. Really straightforward action plot. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was easier for Nick's to write. It's all very simple and straightforward. And um, they weren't trying to pack in a case of the week. And that's the other thing. They were not. They finally, for the first time ever, not had a case of the week. And they try to. They try try to pretend that Victor is the case of the week. But it's like, guys, we know you're doing a mythology episode and it's fine. Everyone's fine. But, like, he can't. Like, Big Daddy (laughs) Nicks can't help. But he still has to give Victor a lower third and write him saying a little ironic speech about, oh, I guess I'm the client now. Am I one of the, like, sad people who needs Michael Wesson's help? So wedded is he to the idea of there being a case of the week that even when he writes a mythology episode, he has to pretend like it's a case of the week. He can't help it. It's true. Uh, well, can you tell me a little bit more about this episode, Chris? Like, maybe, like, a short summary? You know, I can't, but someone on IMDb can. Some bozo. <laughs> the some premise fucking of, nerd. The premise of this episode, according to some IMDb nerd, is Michael captures the rogue agent responsible for trying to bomb him. 
but he decides to form an alliance with him and together go after Carla and her boss. But that decision also puts Michael's mother in jeopardy. I feel like that last sentence was unnecessary because, like, that always happens. And but, also, I have to say, Madeline's plotline in this episode is the the only thing that, like, actually drives me mad. Because, like, most of this episode I actually pretty much liked. Like, I enjoyed the sort of step-by-step and, like, I enjoyed the, you know, enemies to lovers plotline again. You know me. Love me some enemies to lovers. But yeah. uh, the Madeline plotline pissed me off. because And it I, pissed me off for the same reason that it always pisses me off. You know, it didn't piss me off this week. Uh, but well, you're very charitable this week. I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't know. How did I'm it very happen that in, se- in season two, like our our dynamic, the dynamic has switched. I'm not constantly yeah. defend. I'm like kind of down on burn notice, and you're like defending it. If only there was a podcast that could deconstruct our uh, our, our our switch. You mean like burn notice? Our notice? evolution. Yes, we, like burn notice. Notice since since like last week we uh, pulled off the veil of ignorance. <laughs> we can talk about it now. Burn notice noticed. I can say it. It's fine. I've wanted to say it for so long. <laughs> burn notice noticed. As much as I would love burn notice noticed to be doing an episode by episode recap of our second season, because I do like want to know what they would think of our shifts. Inherently, if they were still doing that show, it would have changed the way that we do our show because like we did fundamentally change a lot of things about our show. Um, as a result of them doing their show. So I'm curious how different this season would have been had they interfered once more. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about talk about it with them on a bonus episode. We've been meaning to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should do a, a mini episode with them. That should be a bonus episode. Oh, by the way, remember, we're going on hiatus. We're going on hiatus. Uh, it's probably not going to be a long hiatus because I'm extremely competitive and I can't be uh, off the internet talking about burn notice for too long. But, uh, but if there you have will bonus be a hiatus. No- <laughs> but there will be a short hiatus. Uh, and in the meantime, if there are bonus episodes that you think would be fun uh, or structure for a bonus episode with our friends at Burn Notice Noticed, please let us know. All right. And with that, you want to go into some weeds? Oh, I would love to. I'm feeling awful dry. The final weeds of the season. <gasps> These weeds are taller. They are. I better settle in and get comfortable because it's going to be a while until I see them again. Until they grow back. It's a good thing that Burn Notice Notice isn't a podcast because I bet they would hate this. (laughs) But that's why I wish that they were still a podcast because I know that they would hate this. So Michael meets with Carla and... That was such a weird energy to start that sentence with and then you completely went off the rails. I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep it up. (laughs) You couldn't commit. So Michael meets with Carla, who tells him that she was burned like him and that she got used to it so that he should get used to it, too. Uh, And then she says that some higher ups are coming in to check on things because they are not happy and he needs to get his shit together. No one. I think they talk about Victor in this episode, in this scene, but not really. Like, this is a weird start to this episode because it feels so disconnected from everything else. They don't really talk about Victor and like they don't pick up necessarily from the cliffhanger of last week. And it feels weird. Yeah, uh, it, it and and also it's funny because it's another episode that starts with him like debriefing with Carla, but it's in a it's like a way less fun version of it. Yeah. I also um and I think this is why I was saying that the directing gets better because this is just a poorly shot scene. 
I really don't, bad I, green screen limo. Eh. Limo. Oh, so this is interesting because I was actually I watched this episode on my phone. This is the first episode that I've watched mobily because I had to do laundry this morning and I knew I was gonna have a busy day at work. So I I while I was doing laundry, I had downloaded the Hulu app and then downloaded this episode of Burn Notice onto my phone so I could watch it at the laundromat. So maybe the lack of detail in the scene. Uh, because of my tiny phone allowed me to to get by the worst framing. Yeah, I don't. It just yeah, it didn't look good, and like it's just bad shots. I think the directing in this episode gets better. I think Tim Matheson is a very TV director, where he it's all very functional, and it's all very good at showing you the things you need to see and really highlighting the actors, which, again, he's also an actor. Sure. And but, it's such a handsome one at that. But he, like, his frames are never that interesting. It's all very I mean, they have been in the past. I remember there, there have been a couple of episodes where he's, like, done some really cool stuff. But, yeah, I don't, I don't remember this episode being particularly remarkable one way or the other for the directing choices. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Carla says that the big boss is coming and he needs to get his shit together and figure out this Victor shit. And then she says, there's worse things than being burned. And then Michael points to a secret service looking guy in the car with them and says, yeah, I could be this guy. And then loud rock music plays so that you know that the line was badass. And I guarantee that it was added in post because they were like, that was such a fucking weird line to end this scene on. It makes no sense. And it's so out of context and childish. What the fuck are they doing? I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know if it was just that because loud rock music is a theme of this episode. That's true. And it's also a thing that Burn Notice has done before where they're like, something kind of lame will happen and then like extremely loud electric guitar will happen. And it's like, oh, okay. You know what's funny is I was Googling this episode to find the IMDb um, and the Burn Notice wiki. And I Googled this episode, Burn Notice, uh, Lesser Evil. And one of the things that came up was Burn Notice, Lesser Evil music. (laughs) And I remember, like, reading that and thinking, that's weird. Who cares about music on Burn Notice? But they cared about music this episode. Oh, they did. Yeah, I actually, music is something that I noticed a lot. Like, there was a lot of really strong music choices. Oh, I, don't know I, in every I case kept track worked. of all of them. Oh, they, thank God. You are definitely more musically inclined than I am, so I am thrilled that this was your episode because there is a lot to unpack there. There is a lot to unpack. Oh, so let's, let's get into it. But, yeah, because I generally hate the music on Burn Notice. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's not great. I feel like oftentimes I write a note in my notes that's just, fuck the music on this show. <laughs> and to be fair, though, this week's episode, they're not doing normal Burn Notice music most of the time. No, they, they have, are not. They have made some choices. Anyway. It's like somebody's teenage daughter like gave them a mixtape of her favorite songs, and she was like, "Yeah, you should use these this episode." And they're like, "Okay, sight unseen." Yes, although it's all very masculine music. Now the last song. Well, I we'll would get say, 
<laughs> no spoilers. We can't spoil the soundtrack for this episode. All right. So Michael drives out to the warehouse in the middle of nowhere where Fee and Sam are holding Victor in a huge container or something. Like, they're in a warehouse, and I don't know if they've built a smaller warehouse inside the bigger warehouse. Yeah, it's it's unclear where in space and time they are. Like, it seems like they've built a big box, but inside the box, it looks like a full set with, like, stairs. Like, there's multiple levels to it. Yeah, it's, I, it's a very bizarre space. I think it looks familiar. It looks kind of like the place that they took Ivan in Comrades. Because they but, had, like, a whole fucking facility for him, too. Yeah, it's weird. And anyway. it's, like, kind of out of the way. And there's, like, it's like a, almost like a, a hangar. Yeah. Because you can drive in and out of it. And then there's, like, interior spaces. And it does look, like, remarkably similar to the, the space that they kept Comrades in. So... I'm thinking that maybe this is, like, their go-to spot for, like, fun interrogations with dangerous men. Exactly. That's That would that would be a good episode of this show. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Michael walks into this container or whatever, and Victor is tied to a chair. But Michael quickly deduces that Victor isn't tied to a chair. And so when Victor tries to escape by throwing a chair at Michael, Michael and Fee shut that shit down while more rock music plays. Cut to the fucking title card because it's Burn Notice, baby, a show about badasses. <laughs> that is the energy of this episode. Yeah, it's, it is bananas. Cut back from the title card and Michael interrogates Victor who is afraid that Michael is going to give him up to Carla. And Victor reveals that he was CIA before he was burned, and on the same day that he was burned, his wife and child were killed. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Well, because we know that Carla is terrible at escalating problems. She just sort of does everything all at once and then has nowhere to go. (laughs) And also, like, the the only thing... The only thing that can motivate men is the death of women and children. And the only thing to motivate women, to be fair. Fiona yes. gets real hot and bothered anytime a child is well, potentially harmed. Well, yeah, but when when it's No, I know what you're saying. Fiona, but this show is just like ham fisted about everything. That's true. But I feel like it's like it's specifically with like characters like Victor, it's about I don't wanna say fridging because like these characters come pre fridged. <laughs> um For but efficiency. Yeah. Exactly. But just, like, starting out with, like, this is the motivation that they yeah. always and have. And it is kind of a like, bummer that, like, the only thing that they could think of to to humanize this guy who, like, makes sense to be on their side is, like, oh, well, we, we, we have to make him, like, sympathetic because he's been trying to kill Michael all season. What if we give him a dead wife and kid? Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. And it's like, I think it might be more interesting if you just let him be kind of, like, morally compromised and, like, he is Michael plus time like that yeah, would have exactly. been a way more interesting, interesting plot like At, i will say again, this episode is the closest that the show ever gets to giving us like a doppelganger not a doppelganger but like a parallel for michael mm-hmm. that works it still doesn't work but it's the closest right. that the show has gotten yeah no that's fair but yeah they they, they had to they had to go the wife and child route cuz mm-hmm. otherwise why would this man be so sad and upset? Is it could it be because his life has been completely destroyed and he's been isolated from everything he's known? Nope. Nope. Dead wife. Dead again. wife. 
And the kid and was Carla only four. was the one who did it in order to yeah. recruit him. So now he's trying to take the whole organization down as payback, like a man. And he gives Michael directions to his place, to his boat, so he can find proof that what he's saying is true. Fee and Sam are not happy with this, of course. That They're not happy that Michael is trusting him, but that they have to do that. Like, Fee in particular has to have the same conversation that she's had with Michael at the beginning of every single episode this season, where she goes, why are you doing this? And he has to go, because I gotta. <laughs> yeah, that does feel like it's a conversation that Michael and Fee specifically have had, like, in six or seven episodes this season. Fee's always like, why are we doing this? And Michael's like, because we have to. And she's like, fine. Yeah, and it's, I'm so tired of it. So tired of it. And so Michael and Fee go to his boat, and sure enough, there are pictures of wife and children, and well, I think one child. There are pictures of wife and child on the boat. So everything that he said is true. Definitely. He's, mm-hmm. They're not alive somewhere. Like, he still could be lying. The fact that he happens to have pictures. But the the child is four. He's only four. They made a point to say, like, it wasn't just his kid that died. It's his little kid. Like, you remember that, that episode a long time ago where they established that Michael likes to keep evidence of, like, gambling debts in his car? Yeah. <laughs> yes. To, like, in case a bad guy, like, searched him and his stuff while he was going to meet them, they would find stuff that would make him potentially compromised. Yeah. What if that's what this was, though? That's a great fucking point, Chris. And unfortunately, no one thought of that, and everything goes terribly. If only they had listened to Chris Cherry, everyone would have gotten out of this episode alive. Yeah, what if, like, Victor just hired some people and went to a Sears? Yeah, honestly, that's... The easiest thing to fake, like have a fake family photo and some like fake paper stubs. Cause like they don't research it. They don't call anyone. They just like go and find a shoebox of memories in his houseboat. And they're like, oh yeah, that seems, seems legit. It's another situation where they, the writers know that the characters have to be suspicious, but they don't want the characters to be suspicious for very long. So they perfunctorily do a thing that says, Okay, they're, it's been proven. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm like, fine with it. It's whatever, but, you know. Yeah, I'm broadly fine with it, too. It's like every time they're like, wait, we should call the police. And then a character has to say, this is why we can't call the police. <laughs> just to, yeah. like, get that out of the way so nobody is like, mm, why didn't they just call the police? Like, so fucking assholes like us don't try to poke holes in it. Too late, Nicks. Anyway, while they're doing this, Sam interrogates Victor And learns little that we don't already know. The organization runs black ops, possibly for hire, and cuts up the ops into pieces so that no one gets the bigger picture. We know all this already. Uh, Mm -hmm. He also says, like half a season ago. Exactly. He also says that they might be closing the Miami operation down if Michael doesn't hand Victor over, which means that Carla might need to kill Michael's family. You know what's really funny about this episode to me? What's that? Michael's family in this episode 100% means Madeline. Yeah, where's Nate? He's he's No Nate. one says Nate. No one, says no one thinks about Nate. No one's heard of Nate. 
But yet they still keep saying Michael's family. His family. His family. But his family's just Madeline. Nate is whatever. Nate is driving a limo somewhere. <laughs> For all we know, Nate was driving the limo that Carlo was in. Yeah, fuck anyway. Nate. I think maybe yeah, Carla figured out, like, threatening Nate would not be a, like, compelling reason for Michael to do something. Yeah. Maybe they did get Nate arrested at one point. Maybe they got really sick of Nate. They were like, I don't want to deal with this motherfucker anymore. Anyway, Michael tells Sam to take Madeline to Orlando. Just to get her out of the way because, you know, Family. Meanwhile, yeah. and then it, it, well, and he also specifically says like, make it seem like a day trip, you know, like how Sam and Madeline just like take day trips together to Disneyland. Maybe they do though. Is the thing they That's have true. before done? They did that. What was it? The, the stretching partner stretching. <laughs> partner stretching, right? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe since then they they're partner stretching partners. You don't know. I choose to think that they are because that's a world I want to live in. Meanwhile, Fee also has a meeting that she just has like some gun business that she has to do. And she's like, I can cancel my gun business. But Michael's like, uh, no, you do your gun business because we we need to keep up appearances that things are going according to plan and everything's normal. And that's only so Fee cannot be in the next couple of scenes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, Sam arrives at Madeline's, but she is not budging until some someone finally explains to her what the fuck is going on with Michael's whole deal. And I can see being upset with this. But here's the thing, especially since this is the season finale, I don't think Madeline has any idea what is going on. She knows enough. She no. has been shot at. Her her house has gone through so many fucking yeah. renovations at this point as a result of people shooting it the fuck up that when her friend, her son's best friend shows up at her house and is like, I'm serious, we need to get you out of town. Her answer is, no, we should just chill here. Okay, yes. But here's the thing. She knows that shit is dangerous. I mean, she kind of doesn't, but like, go with me for a second. <laughs> the point of the scene isn't that Madeline doesn't know that this stuff is dangerous. The point of the scene is that, like, Madeline doesn't know why it's dangerous. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't know who is trying to kill her. And I think it is valid that she should want to know who is trying to kill her. It's valid that she would want to know. It is not valid that she decides to put both of their lives and her real estate property value in danger in order to be petulant and learn it first. And this is fair. Like, ideally... Because this is the shit that she's pulled before. No, I was and thinking it's gone about this. this badly before. Like, I was... Because I was thinking about this. Because obviously, she's being stupid and, like, she should go with Sam. But also, that's... Sam is never going to tell her anything, and this is literally the only leverage that she has. Her own fucking life? And yes. then she's like, oh no, what's gonna happen? Like, and then she acts yeah, like no, this, the, it's this, such a they fucking fuck surprise. They fuck it up later. 
they fuck it up the whole time. Everything to do with Madeline when Matt Nix is writing her is so stupid because she like becomes a baby. She does this become grown a grown ass woman who it like dates con men and pulls knives and like has interesting nuanced conversations with her son just becomes like the idiot mother who just doesn't understand the stakes of the situation at all when it's convenient for the plot because like haha isn't it funny that she's so detached from reality it's like no she knows what's happening but she doesn't though is the thing like she knows no, she- again she knows that it's bad and that she should be enough. She obviously knows that it's bad. But, like, also, it. I do think she deserves to have a sense of this actual thing that's going on. Like, I don't know. For some reason, I guess I'm being charitable to burn notice. Like, it was bugging me, too. But also, I just was thinking about it. I was thinking, I think... We take it for granted that we know what is going on in Michael's, like, story. So it's obvious what should be done. But, like, if you just get shuttled around a lot and being told things are important, things are important, but not never have that explained to you, I can see how that is very frustrating. Oh, I'm sure it's frustrating. And I'm not trying to invalidate the fact that, like, they're constantly just, like, not telling her things and just sort of shoving her around like a piece of furniture. But I also don't think that it's reasonable based on how much she has seen, even if she hasn't seen this particular situation, how much she has seen and how much she knows about Michael's life that, like, she would not take this threat seriously. Because presumably she doesn't have a death wish at no point have I ever thought that Madeline Weston has a death wish, but like she still decides to be absolutely like logically less like stubborn for absolutely no human reason. Just I will say to put herself a in lot danger. of the problem with this has is down to the fact that they write her so inconsistently and have no sense of what she knows and what she understands because it varies so much from episode to episode. Yeah. And that's the other thing is that like, she's just such a wildly inconsistent character who seems to only exist for the whims of like, what funny thing can we have the dysfunctional mother figure do this week, which is not like interesting to me. Like she deserves better. And like Sharon Glass is a blessing and she's really funny and like has great comic timing and also like, really great dramatic beat like chops as well and the fact that they're wasting her as a punchline just it fucking sucks yeah i mean i didn't feel like a lot of the stuff in this episode like most of their stuff wasn't jokes but she is a joke like it's set up as like man can't you like wow madeline got him into a, a thing again i mean Kind yeah, I mean yeah, but I don't know. Especially taking into account like the context of every other time that she's been written by Matt and true. Alfredo. This is very true. Like it's a pattern of behavior I find troubling and lazy. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Anyway, while Michael is alone with Victor, Victor tells them that by now Carlos people are onto them, and they're gonna show up any minute now. And so Michael and Victor are both gonna die. Because they're now alone in this warehouse, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. So Michael... They're, they've und- both been off the grid for too long. And yeah. so the, the 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 jig is up. 
So Michael unties him so that they can flee. And Victor also officially becomes the client. And he says the thing about, oh, I'm one of those poor people that gets helped by Michael Weston. That officially happens. And so now there's this whole big car chase set to punk rock music this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, to loud punk rock music where Victor drives so that Michael can do cool spy tricks, like making improv bombs and stuff. And then while they're driving, Carla calls and says that there's going to be consequences for what he's doing. And then Victor's like, did she say the thing about consequences? <laughs> and Michael's like, yeah, she said the thing about consequences. And then Victor's like, that's killing your family. Those are the consequences. And, my, and Michael's like, are those the consequences? Carla's like, yeah, those are the consequences. <laughs> so, so they duck into a parking garage and for some reason aren't followed in. Like, I think what I, that that part didn't bother me. That it, only in that like, there's only one entrance or exit to this parking garage, and like these guys are formidable. And I think that given the car chase, um, they have proven formidable even to the people who might not be like super aware of who these two random dudes are. And so yeah. like they've decided to just like barricade the out. entrance. Yeah. yeah. Did they say that there was only one entrance and exit? I think I missed that. Uh, I don't think they said it, but, like, the fact that there only was one. Because, like, they didn't try to go out a back way. Like, there was only one. And also, most parking garages have one entrance I feel like most parking garages have multiple entrances and exits. Nah. Anyway, doesn't matter. The point (laughs) is that Michael and Victor are in this parking garage and are stuck in there, basically. They're going to get a new car. But, but they're also left alone to scheme for a little bit. Yes. Anyway, back uh, back at Madeline's, Sam has explained the whole deal. Like, Madeline now knows the names Victor and Carla and is now up, up to speed on everything. And she's still convinced that it's not a big deal for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then she offers Michael, then she offers Sam a beer and then Sam refuses the beer and then she realizes it's a big deal. And that sounds like a joke, but it isn't. No, it's and it pl- wasn't played as one. But it, and it, I think he thinks he's being clever. And he's like, ooh, you know what would be good symbolism for this being a serious situation? If Sam doesn't want a beer. And it's like, yeah. Sam is a more interesting character than you are giving him credit for. And so is Madeline. And fuck you, Matt Nix. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's a weird beat. It's super weird beat. And then some men show up outside and Sam tells Madeline to get her shotgun and then prepare for the worst. Yup. Meanwhile, back in the parking garage, I do like the way all of this is intercut. I think this is a very well edited. Yeah, the pacing of this episode is good. Like, especially as compared to the season one finale, this season finale, like, it feels like there is momentum the whole way through. And it feels like every scene, like weaves in with the the next yes. like ratcheting up tension like that that was done really well i agree it was again i feel like it's just a basic action movie it's like a 40 minute action movie pretty much in real time um we're just doing like simple beats um, but that works especially for a yeah exactly no where i agree like a lot of moving pieces yeah i'm 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 fine with it honestly no, I wish i'm more saying it's a good thing like, classic you know action beats yeah like everything kind of works the simplicity works in the show's favor so back in the parking garage carla's troops are setting up a perimeter and getting back up 
And then Michael calls Fee, who has just finished her deal, so now she can be in the story again. And gives her a coded message asking for help. And then both Michael and Fee destroy their cell phones because Carla is listening in. Which is yep. bad because now Madeline can't get a hold of them. <laughs> um, is, 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 it, is something serious going on? Madeline has no idea. Yeah. Um, so they figure out a way to get out. They can get out through the fence in the back and borrow, like, slash steal a car that belongs to an old lady who's friends of Madeline. Um, yeah, Madeline, before, for some reason, has keys to her car. Yeah. That, weirdly, that tracks because I feel like old people do that shit all the time. Yeah, like I don't to know, watch like, each other's stuff. Yeah. Old people are up to shit. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that right now on this podcast. Old people are up to shit. I don't trust them. <laughs> yeah. If you know an old person, keep an eye on them. You'll see what they're, we mean. They're shifty. <laughs> So they have a way out, but first they need a distraction. So they rig up some cool explosives with Christmas lights. Oh, and Jingle Play and Jingle Bells does play in this scene. And yes, it is a punk rock version. Punk rock Jingle Bells. Hell yeah. I do like this sequence. I like, so like, even though the Madeline scenes piss me off because like, it's treating her like a child when she is markedly not one. But like, I do love watching Madeline and uh, Sam get to work together. And I like that she gets to be in on the sort of like. Yes. Spy antics that she gets to help, you know, rig her house to blow using, you know, I do enjoy that. I think that's a thing. And maybe that's why I'm a little bit more forgiving of the Madeline scenes this time is, and it may just be 100% down to the way that Bruce Campbell and Sharon Glass play off each other. It's true. And they're fucking delightful. And I want more of it. I'm just mad that we had to get here as a result yes. of this. Like, it would be one thing if she was like, you know, I, I'm sure they're not going to be here in the next five minutes. And then, like, they showed up immediately. Like, I actually think I would have bought this more if she had been stubborn at first with, like, a, the reasonable assumption that, like, they had a little bit of time. Like, maybe Sam says, like, hey, we just have a short amount of time. Like, I got to get you out of here. And she's like, all right, well, then let's use that time wisely. And then, like, the guys had shown up. And then he could, like, explain it to her as they were, like, doing their little montage. Because, A, yes, that would have meant that we better. didn't have – because that would have been more active. I love it when people are having, like, serious conversations while they're trying to do something like I think it's more interesting to do dialogue when like action is happening and also it wouldn't have then we wouldn't have had to like waste time just like watching them silently do <laughs> crafts together and I think that something that Bernadette hasn't really figured out yet is how to like how to make crafts mon- interesting well like how to yeah how to make their montages interesting like they they do all those stupid like uh you know side by side screenshot things and it's like we don't need to be doing this this is wasted time but like burn notice doesn't know how to like continue the story while michael just has to do a thing for a little bit <laughs> and yeah. this would have been an opportunity to like just do a more interesting version that doesn't fuck over madeline's character uh and you know glaze over the weird montage like stoppage yeah I'm also mad that they didn't let her shoot the shotgun. Yes, that too. That's fair. I would have liked to see Madeline with her, with, like, smoking a cigarette, uh, shooting a shotgun at some fools. Yeah. So back at the garage, Victor tells Michael that he's got a pretty sweet blackmail file on Carla. And Michael agrees that this is a good play. Then they escape the garage, first by sending out another car as a diversion. 
before they escape in a super fast yellow sparks car that's still very manly. <laughs> they get chased down a street lined with parked cars, which Fee has rigged to explode, allowing them to escape. So, like, they're going down the street, and the car comes down behind them, and then cars just keep exploding in front of the bad guy cars. I and then just love falling this. I thought that was really fun. It was really fun. Uh, and like, and, and like, I also like, even though it's completely unnecessary, that at the end of this whole sequence, like, Fiona drives up next to them and, like, gives them a coy look, and then they both drive yes. off. Yeah, no, it's like, so weird and unnecessary, but I also like it's super It's so loved it. unnecessary. Like Fee like pulls up next to them all sexy. They don't like, say anything. Not a word. Victor just looks at her with like the same like whoa face that a 14-year-old boy has in a Sunny D commercial. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah, for a guy who is a literal spy and who definitely has met other competent women, presumably. Although, he does say something. I think he says something along the lines of, where did you find her? Yeah, where did you find her? That's exactly what he says. Yeah, like, whoa. The acting choice there is absurd. (laughs) Like, on both ends. And, like, I think the camera zooms in a bit. Oh, yeah. it Like, the camera is really eating up, like, how fucking proud Fiona is of herself. And honestly, I'm glad she has her moment. Yeah. It's so fucking It doesn't silly. make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense in the context of anything, but I'm glad it happened. I am too. I enjoyed it <laughs> so much. So, Victor, Michael, and Fee arrive at Victor's safe house, but surveillance has beat them there. The blackmail file isn't in the house, however. It's on a utility pole outside of the house. Which, which I really liked. Yeah. Um, Victor... Just wants to kill the surveillance guys. But Michael says no. Because they could be innocent. And Victor says that no one in this business is innocent. Which is right. Mm-hmm. And then Michael's all like, what about me? You said that about me. I'm innocent. And no, you're not, Michael. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, Michael, you've ki- you've killed, like, a number of people. Yeah. He, yeah, like, get off your high fucking horse, Michael Weston. <laughs> You have done some bad shit, and you know it. So you yep. do not have the moral high ground here. And then <laughs> he this, briefly I, does I do, I do appreciate that it, this is at least a callback to, like, the first time that Michael and Victor work together. And Victor's like, yeah, we'll just kill anyone who has a problem. And Michael's like, I'm sure there's at least one other option. Yeah. So at least it's, like, totally consistent. It is totally consistent. And then Michael really quickly does a commercial for OnStar. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about the OnStar commercial. Holy like, shit. It's just a commercial for OnStar. He gets like you know how sometimes you'll be watching a show on network television or like on basic cable, and then like in the middle of the commercials, there'll be like a commercial that's been made by the show. I or don't like, really watch TV with commercials anymore. I pretty much only watch on streaming. But yeah, I know I'm, what you're talking about. Exactly. I don't much either. But this was a thing that used to happen. This is a thing that would have happened around the time that this show was on. Um, And it really feels like that. Because it's just Michael being like, hey, OnStar, do you know where I can find a hardware store in the area? It's like, yeah. OnStar's like, hell yeah, I do. Do you want directions? And Michael's like, hell yeah, I do. End scene. Yeah, it's, it's, well, and also he's like, OnStar, help me get to a place and 
can I avoid intersections and government buildings? And the OnStar lady's like, okay. Yep. This is totally normal. And I've actually had that request before. So here's your directions. OnStar is so helpful. This is, again, not the first time that OnStar has been... It's not. ...plugged on this show. Meanwhile, back at Madeline's... Uh, I don't think it does. Why would it exist? It does. There's a website. You can't put a price on peace of mind. OnStar lets you drive with confidence, knowing an emergency certified advisor is ready to help no matter what happens out on the road. I guess. <laughs> then there's a quote from, like, a testimonial quote from someone, and it says... From the Burn quote Notice? Is, no, about OnStar. And the quote is, I just remember hearing a voice. I felt like someone was there with me. <laughs> and that's... I thought that's it was God. Ringing. Endorsement of OnStar. Oh my god. Oh my god. And their their tagline is be safe out there. Oh boy. This is like this is a a wild series of lines and text. Well, that kind of makes sense because like the thing that Michael is doing in the scene is no longer a thing that OnStar would be useful for because now we just have our phones. Right. So they have to really hype up the safety thing because that's the only thing they have going for them. Yeah. Just, but like, it, it's sort of a, it's sort of vaguely threatening. The last OnStar plug was the last season finale. Was it? I Yeah, because remember, OnStar gave directions to the like, truck in the middle of nowhere. You know, I'll the, be honest, I have largely wiped last season's finale out of my brain. But you know you know how it ends with like him going into the darkness of the 18-wheeler? Oh, yeah. In the middle of the ocean? He yeah. knew how to get there because of because OnStar. Because of OnStar. Oh, my God. I can't believe you made that connection. Well, it's, maybe it's a season finale thing. That's so fucking funny. Like they're just like saving up. They're like, we know we gotta we gotta do our burnout a spot again, but we really gotta make it count. Oh, don't worry, says Big Daddy Nix. We get you I a primo you. spot in the finale again. <laughs> Anyways, so OnStar gets him to a hardware store. Yeah. Definitely not suspiciously. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh Carlos Ben at Madeline's have finally decided that they've given Sam and Madeline enough time to prep their defense and finally shoot their way in. Yep. Setting off all of the Christmas lights explosives and blowing the shit out of... Madeline's house is gone, right? Yeah, it's like fucking leveled. Yeah, because I feel like we're going to go back next season and it's going to be fine. Yeah, well, but there's. I'm sure there'll be like some line where Michael's like, "I'm gonna be working jobs for weeks to pay off mom's house." Blah 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 blah. Oh no, no, it'll be. I have been working jobs for weeks. Like there will be, like <laughs> one of the true. first scenes of next season. Mark my words, will be like Michael or Sam like sanding off the kitchen counter and being like, "Done." That's honestly. Almost certainly what's going to happen. Mark my words. Mark them. In the commotion, Madeline takes Sam out back to her old lady friend's car, which turns out to be a classic car. Like, an I don't know 
shit about cars, but it's like a nice it, car. Yeah, it's like a nice bright red car. Yeah, and like it's like clearly a classic car. And then Sam looks at it with the same sort of hell yeah face that a 14-year-old boy has in a commercial for Sunny Day. <laughs> yeah, a lot of boys being impressed with shiny things this this episode. That's that is the vibe of this episode. This episode feels the most like a 14-year-old boy wrote it. So once Madeline and Sam leave the house, which is no longer a house, um, Madeline directs Sam like a human on-star to, I don't know where. It seems to be some general, I think it's an old people convention. (laughs) And they've got a booth for each age group. Exactly. Because like, she just says, like, she wants Sam to drop him off, drop her off there, and then go help Michael. And and she says that she can blend in here. She, I don't know where here is other than Miami. Like, her pitch is that there's a lot of old people in Miami and that she can blend in. <laughs> Which, but, and, honestly, so, fair. See, I think this is stupid. Because I mean, her, if they've gotten away clean, which they would have, or otherwise Mike, uh, or otherwise Sam wouldn't have pulled over. I mean, I guess, but also the way that she says it, her plan hinges on old white ladies being literally interchangeable, so that if you do not have a picture of her, you would not. So if you have a picture of her, you would not be able to tell. Well, like, I don't know. It's. It's, like, got yellow spikes, but I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I think in this circumstance, like, they've gotten away clean. Sam clearly feels safe, like, stopping, regardless of what he thinks is going on. And if she really does just, like, stays out in public in just, like, a random space totally away from the action, she's as good as in another city. Because, like, what are they going to do? Like, put resources towards, like, hunting down this old lady in Miami. They probably even assume that she's out of the city at this point. Or at least with one of the, one of the, one of the boys. That's true. I don't know. This was, this was one where I was like, no, you know what, Madeline, that's fair. You go enjoy yourself at the old person convention. Get yourself a lanyard. Have a good time. (laughs) Go see some panels. Michael, Fee, and Victor are able to get the the blackmail file from the utility pole Doing some spy stuff. It doesn't matter. We'll talk about it during the spy tips. But suffice it to say, they get the blackmail. And Michael looks over the blackmail file and agrees that it is very good blackmail. <laughs> this is a primo blackmail shit. Yeah. Like, he just sniffs it like, oh, that's the good stuff. <laughs> he, he rubs a little bit on his teeth. Yeah. This is not baking soda. This is blackmail. <laughs> Raw, and uncut blackmail. Victor then says that the best play is to get back on his boat and call Carla from there and let him let her know that they have the blackmail and then use the boat to escape to Cuba. And Fee is excited, but then sad because she realizes that she doesn't get to go to Cuba. <laughs> Michael says that she and Sam have to stay behind and protect Michael's family, a.k.a. <laughs> Madeline, because who cares about Nate? Nate who? Then Fee kisses Michael and then slaps him because she's a wild card. 
Oh, and this time, pensive and emotional rock music plays. <laughs> Definitely, like, more, not, like, quite alty indie. Almost the fray, but not quite the fray. But still, very importantly, rock music. There was also something else that I noticed about the music this episode is that a lot more of it had lyrics that I'm yes. used to. Which was I don't wild. know. You know, part of me wants to go back and Google uh, Burn Notice Lesser Evil Music and find out. Because, like, there's a lot of... This all has to be, like, cheap licensed music. This is not, like, real music. Um, so when Michael and Victor part ways with Fiona, the song is called Hey Now by Jesse Glick. Jesse Glick? Uh-huh. That's exactly uh, the sort of shit that, like... You buy off of a fucking licensed music thing. Uh, and then the song where Michael and Victor are having their car chase, it's called All Bad News by Swayback. Swayback. Jesus. You can buy it I mean, on iTunes. You can buy oh all of God. these on iTunes. God. Yeah, it's from, it's from an album called Underground Screams. That's Jesus the punk rock Christ. one. <laughs> It's all, yeah, it's all very, like, it feels like, like, just, like, licensed music that they just bought from somewhere. So, Michael and Victor scout Victor's boat to see if it's being watched. And it seems like it isn't, so they're like, that's fine. And Michael asks Victor if he ever figured out who burned him, and Victor says it doesn't matter because it's the organization that's fucked. Which is right. Victor is always right in this episode, is the thing. Victor is well, never not once wrong in this episode, except maybe about killing those guys, but only maybe. <laughs> well, Victor's been in this game a lot longer than Michael has. I think that's part of the reason why I think Victor plays a little bit better as a Michael parallel is that he actually is right. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I think if they had leaned into that, it would have been so much more satisfying and so much more heartbreaking the way that this, yeah. you know, season ends. But who I mean, cares? We haven't but... seen Victor for like half the season and now he's back and he's got a dead kid. Oh, no. Yeah. And then Michael then asks, asks Victor why he thinks that Michael was burned. And Victor says it's just because he was really good at his job. And like, that's it. <laughs> and I think there is something interesting there. And because... It does seem kind of dumb that Michael cares this much about finding the person who burned him. And and I and I do like the idea there's a germ of an idea of like a pivot away from personal vengeance to anger at systems. Well, and I, I'm glad you said that because that was something. So remember how in both seasons, really, we've had this conversation about how like this show operates on the one bad actor like yes presumption. And because Michael Weston, I think I've said this in a, in a past episode, like Michael Weston does not believe in institutions. Like institutions are fine. Like, but you know, that one lone yeah. soldier, that's the, one bad, that's the bad guy. Exactly. Yeah. But like, this is the first time that it really feels like the show itself is going, hey, Michael, shit might be slightly more complicated than that. You might actually have to take down an institution, not just one bad guy car stealing ring. And then everything's fine. And I actually really like like that. I don't I remember do. how much that affects things moving forward. It uh, almost certainly is, doesn't. I don't remember either. 
I mean, I, I seem to remember something about how it turns out may, and maybe I'm, I'm layering on a different show that I've watched where this is true, but like, I seem to remember that the shadowy organization is actually the real CIA or like, they're like much more embedded into the actual agency, um, as he would have been led to believe. That, that also might be a different show, though, because, like, there's we'll a lot see. of shows I'm like curious that. to find out, because, again, up to this point, the show has always been very pro the U.S. government. Exactly. And it would be cool to see Michael have to grapple with, like, an institution with a rotten foundation that can't be solved by simply, like, having an old man bomb a woman, you know? Like, yeah. one, one taking out Carla is not going to solve his problems kind of a thing. And, like, that's... That anger is like being misplaced by trying mm-hmm. to find the person because that's not right. the thing that matters. Life isn't that clean cut. Yeah. Meanwhile, Fee meets up with Sam and Fee tells Sam that Michael told her to protect his family. And then Sam tells Mike tells Fee that Michael's family, a.k.a. Madeline, told him to protect Michael. And it's a real gift of the Magi situation. <laughs> And they're like, well, I was supposed to do one thing. Like, what are we going to do? We know what you're going to do. Michael and Victor get on the boat and things look really sunny for a second. But then Victor is sniped in the gut by one of Carla's goons while Carla herself watches. (laughs) And then Carla, Carla calls Michael and demands that he kill Victor or she is going to blow up the boat because she has lined the boat with C4. Uh, meanwhile, a helicopter hangs ominously overhead. And these are the people in charge, Carla tells Michael. And that he has a choice. Kill Victor and like look like the hero or die, basically. And then Fee and Sam arrive and then Fee snipes Carla in the gut. <laughs> Fee just fucking kills her dead. No hesitation. Is she dead? I mean, I'm sure she's dead because I, I doubt. Oh, no, she's, she is fully dead. But, like, they do leave it ambiguous, I feel like. Do they? I don't She's know. Like, I mean, see- like, like, Victor's moving around and talking. Carla goes fucking down. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they, they, the way they played it, she could have been dead or she could have just been in dire need of medical attention. But also, the organization is not going to save her. So, no. fuck well, they've got all this blackmail on her now, and they know she's a she's a a, a bad apple. She's a bad apple. Um, but everything else in their organization is going swimmingly. Hey, which, remember that's how the like remember how the plot of this season was about like Victor and Michael helping them set up for an assassination that then Victor got in the way of. But like, who were they trying to assassinate? What what happened with that plot line? And like the who big cares? fancy rifle that they got. And Doesn't matter. The whole purpose of Michael getting burned after they stayed away from him for a, like, calendar year and then decided, hey, we have a mission. And then, like, no one has talked about this mission for fucking episodes and episodes. I mean, it just, it didn't matter. Just, like, it <laughs> just went bad. It. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It went bad. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I mean, I never got the impression that they burned him necessarily specifically for this job. That job. I got the impression they burned him because they wanted him as an asset. And this was the first job that they were using him for. But I don't know. But again, yeah, it doesn't matter. I think for us, it was a big deal 
But for the organization, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> it was a case. Of, it was just a case of the week for them. But it wasn't because it the, the, it was such an elaborate plot that spanned well, so all of many their people's plots are lives. That elaborate ruined. and stupid. I mean, we don't know that because we've only ever seen them do and then subsequently fuck up one. But like, I get the I get the sense that that's what they do. I mean, like that's what Victor says is that like they all of their black ops are like chopped up like that so that like no one knows the whole thing. I get the sense that it takes this organization seven people to go to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Meanwhile, that's fair. Victor tells Michael that Michael has to kill him because he's dead already and that the only only play is to look like Michael was trying to take them both down because of Carla's misdeeds. And so Michael kills Victor, but he's very choked up about it. Well, and it's, I mean, so I will say this is, this is kind of a like really emotional scene where Victor is holding the gun in his own chest with like with Michael's hand on the trigger. And they are like less than a foot apart, staring into each other's eyes as Michael pulls the trigger. It's like, yeah, kind of romantic in some ways. It's very romantic. It's so intimate. And I would have liked it more if like they had truly set up Victor as like. Michael plus time, you know, like if yeah. this is like who Michael could become, but no, he just got a dead kid. He's got well, dead exactly because they can't, they don't have time to develop that because they don't do mythology episodes. Nope. They got to spend like one episode every like 35 minutes of every episode dealing with like, uh, my husband turned out to be a mob enforcer and, like, now he's being sued by another <laughs> mob. Help me. Um, I should write burn notice, clearly. Yeah, clearly. I'd watch and, that. And never having any real time to deal with these things. Nope. But yeah. So Michael's real choked, out, choked up about Victor. But then he gets out of the boat and he's immediately snarky Michael again. Just, he turns it off like a light switch. He is now Snarky Michael, and he gets on the helicopter with Frasier's dad. Oh, is that who that is? I've never seen Frasier. That is Frasier's dad. 100% Frasier's dad. I I haven't even seen enough of Cheers to meet Frasier yet, because Frasier's not, like, in the first half of the first season. Were you watch? Have you watched, like, the first half of the first season of Cheers? Were you sitting down, like, I need to, I need to watch all of Cheers. Yeah, kind of. I had like a. I mean, I had a, it's a, a great phase. show. It's a really fun show. Although it's like every episode is kind of the same episode, so it's hard to binge. It's not one that you're just like sit through and no. you're like, I gotta see the next one because it's like no, it's the same like, episode. <laughs> it's yeah, the same like, thing. It is definitely a show that is benefits to be watched like week to week, and because it's yeah, but it's a great show. Like, yeah, it's very good. It's a very good show. Although, uh, I think one, the other thing that ruined it for me is, and it, this might have been you, revealing that Ted Danson has always worn a hairpiece. Ha! Kind of ruins the magic of Sam. Because it's all in that hair? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, although we never... Yeah, we don't need Frasier's dad till Frasier. Frasier's also a fun show. <laughs> I've heard that. I have. A, I had a friend in college who was, like, obsessed with it. I think one thing that I think is sort of interesting is that 
Frasier has become one of those things that is a funny thing, but is also funny for a different reason, where because people have decided that it's funny in a different ironic way. So there's like Frasier is a funny show, but there's a lot of shows where the punchline uh, there's a lot of jokes where the punchline of the joke is Frasier, which I think is interesting, and and sort of the way that like Garfield had that moment. <laughs> oh, Garfield! Anyway, the helicopter takes off. Uh, Frasier's dad's they, there. Frasier's dad's there. They're f- f- hovering over the ocean, and Frasier's dad. Um, buys his story that he's just cleaning up shitty operatives. Um, he asks he asks what Michael wants, and Michael says that he wants out. And then Frazier's dad... Well, actually, this is not fair. He's not just Frazier's dad. He's also Niles' dad. <clears throat> so Niles' dad says that they have been keeping all of Michael Weston's enemies at bay, and if he were to get out of the game, they would all come to kill him. And he opens the helicopter door and says, if he wants out, there's the door. And so Michael is like, sure. And he jumps out of the helicopter right into the ocean. Well, at first he takes his sunglasses off and puts them on the seat next to him. And we have a shot of just the sunglasses. And then he jumps out. Can't ruin those sunglasses. This, this is important. There is just a shot of the sun the sunglasses just sitting there. The sunglasses hold no actual meaning or symbolism. But there they are. They sure are. Thank you for that, Tim. So do you buy the fact that, like, the Black Ops team has been keeping Michael's enemies at bay because they need him for other purposes? I mean, sure. Why not? Yeah, I I do. And I actually thought that was interesting. I don't know if I buy that, like, after they've gone through all of this trouble and Michael has, like, literally never helped them complete a job, he's like, you know what? You're right. I'm just going to let you go back to your life. We won't bother you again. That I don't believe. But I do believe that, like, it... it... (laughs) Gone. I I was just going to say, I do believe that because Michael Weston uses his actual fucking name and his mom is in the phone book, which was established last episode by ex-fiance lady... Um, like, I believe that if Michael Weston was taken out of the game and him being this, like, tremendously unsubtle about the way that he lives his life, like, uh, enemies would be showing up. So I buy that part. But yeah, I fully don't believe that they're just like, you know what? You're right. You've just killed everyone in our Miami operation and have literally never been useful to us ever. Um, yeah, have a nice life. Oh, yeah. No, of course not. Um, like they put I so much trouble into ruining this man's life to then literally not use him. I think they think that they're going to let him twist in the wind for a couple of weeks and then feel so overwhelmed with bad guys that he'll come crawling back. And if not, they'll just like kidnap him or something. <laughs> anyway, so Michael jumps into the ocean and then the most shocking twist of the episode, rock music does not play. Instead, it's like more of a trip hoppy kind of garbage type thing. I don't know exactly See, what you call it. I Very nineties. It's so nineties, and it's I don't. And like, is it one of the lines from the song? Like, it's it's very kind of emo ish. Yeah, but like not like again. Very like I said, sort of industrial, sort of trip hop. Like yeah, I think garbage feels right. It's called "Time Bomb" by Jesse Green. All of this sounds fake. But yeah. 
Hang on, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to see if I can pull some lyrics, because this song is like, it's playing, and I'm like, what's happening? Okay, I like so it, though. It's kind of good, but also it's so, like, it's 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 so not Burn Notice. Okay, so here's, here's it isn't the lyrics. It's very, yeah, it does not feel like Burn Notice. It no, it does not at all. like... Again, it feels very... I mean, a lot of this music feels kind of late 90s, early 2000s, but this feels very 90s. This feels like... This this could have been on the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. <laughs> well, let me read you some lyrics, Chris, and I think that we will be for sure that this should be on the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack by Baz Luhrmann, of course. Uh, tick, tock, tick. Come to me. The moon is closer than your eyes. I can barely see through the cracks. Light shines out my scars. Sirens scream in vain. I've already died a million times inside. I surrender. Shoot me down. No bullet could stop me now. My love does not depend on anyone or anything. It'll never die. I'm ticking like a time bomb. Soon to blow away. I am not you. You are not me. It still plays. I could say I love you, if only for a day. My mind sunk this ship. I am drowned in it. <laughs> or like or like the Batman Forever soundtrack. <laughs> this this belongs right between Hold Me Through Me Kiss Me Kill Me by U2 and Kiss from a Rose. Apparently Jesse Green is a violinist, cellist and vocalist from St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, that tracks. That's the vibe that it has. It's that sort of like that kind of like baroque cello rock. <laughs> like the fucking like the fucking Angel soundtrack. The last line of the career section of this woman's Wikipedia page is the fact that her song was featured at the end of Burn Notice season two finale. That was the last line of her career. <laughs> she wow. she gives lessons now. <laughs> this, this anyway, is truly wild. But anyways, that's I, the end of the season. I do remember. I remember last season finale talking about how vividly i remembered it i vividly remember this too i mean I, I will give them credit that even though last season finale sucked like the last shot of that and the last shot of this are very striking you know yeah. like michael driving into a semi-truck and like being pulled into the darkness and in this time him jumping out of a helicopter into the vast expanse of the sea looking at the the coast of miami the skyline yeah, that classic miami skyline <laughs> Oh my god, and and that's a cool hook for a season too. The idea of all of Michael's enemies coming back to get him. Yeah, I do think that's cool. I don't and remember I, if they pay that off at all. I I think Probably they do. Not. I think season three might be like a reaction to that, but I truly don't remember because I think I so I definitely didn't get to this point in my rewatch last year because uh, I it's we're coming up on a year since the last time that I started to rewatch Burn Notice. But I stopped when I realized we'd be doing this show. So um, yeah. I think we're officially to the point where I have not seen this, like, this part of Burn Notice since eight or nine years ago. But confirmed, I apparently got as far as season five at one point because I found an old tweet of mine referencing season five of Burn Notice. So apparently I got quite far. Wow, that's that's farther than I got. I think I, I no, I might have gotten to five. I stopped around four or five. Anyway, but I will say what is really funny to me about this ending is that, like, he's in the water and the opening monologue, the opening monologue, the closing monologue that's going on over this is talking about how 
spies have support systems, and the most dangerous thing is to be truly alone. And it's like, yeah, that's the premise of the show. This is what it should have been two seasons ago. That's your premise. You got burned. You were a spy, but not anymore. You couldn't, you had no bank account. It was a whole thing. Like the idea that two seasons in, you're like, so here's the thing. I used to be a spy. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Why are we now just doing this thing? Yeah, I still, it, I don't know. It's like this show sometimes just forgets what it's done. It's like each episode is written in a fugue state, like completely detached from reality, both from reality in actual life and reality from within the show itself. Like there's seemingly no internal consistency when it feels like there should be no internal consistency. And that's very frustrating. Agreed. Anyway, that's that's the final weeds of the season. <laughs> oh, let's get into the final spy tips of the season. Hell yeah. All right. So, of course, some of these on the, are on the edge of usefulness, but let's see. In a firefight on the road, you've got a few options. Without something high caliber, you're not going to be able to penetrate the, radi- the radiator or the firewall behind it. That leaves two options. Uh, the windshield or ricocheting bullets off the ground up through the undercarriage which is one of the least reinforced parts of the car. For sheer panic, it's hard to beat bullets coming up from the floorboards. Yeah, that's good. No, I thought that was good. I, I, I'm going to come clean. I grew up in Texas, but I have never not once fired a gun. <laughs> I have no idea how hard it is. That seems like it's a really hard thing to do. To ricochet? I mean, I guess if you're good at like aiming a gun, which we know he is, like, it true. wouldn't be too hard to, like, calculate that. Like, it's the same as, like, shooting a basketball in a hoop. Like, you have to calculate where oh, I'm to bad hit the at ball off the backboard. I mean, but I'm good at that. I'm good at hitting, uh, like, making baskets. I, I have, yeah. I've, I played baskets ball for seven years. Um, That's a but lot like, of But, years. like, it's the, same, it's the same principle. If you can sh- do something in a straight line, like, figuring out a, a single angle shot, like, is not that hard. Yeah. All right, so. I buy it, and I like the tip. It's a good tip. When you're outmanned and outgunned, the key is to appear bigger and stronger than you are. Take your enemy's expectations and turn them against them. Um, uh, to make a good-sized fireball without a lot of ordnance, you need uh, you need a power with a high surface area to mass ratio. Non-dairy creamer mixed with gunpowder works nicely. So the first part is nothing, but the second part is great. Exactly. Shopping list. This is another crossover sort of overlap with uh, Mythbusters because they blew up non-dairy creamer a lot on that show. Oh, did they really? Yeah. So I know that's true. (laughs) I still think that our, like, pitch for Mythbusters to come back to just do, like, an exclusively burn notice season would be amazing. It would be amazing. Who do we need to no talk one cares. to get this to happen? Who would that be for? That's the most niche thing I could think of. Well, I used to think having a Burn Notice podcast was a super niche thing, and now there are two of them. So, Which is pretty low for podcasts. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I feel like I, most I, shows I have like happening. 10 podcasts. <laughs> All right. A security perimeter is like a defensive line in football. 
you've got a couple of options. You can try to punch through the line with brute force, or you can soften it up with a little misdirection. I is this anything? Not, no, I don't think that's anything. And also, it's 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 vague enough and similar enough to other things that I, I give it nothing. I've learned nothing new. Gotcha. I learned something about football. <laughs> a fake utility box isn't a bad hiding place. People don't touch things labeled high voltage. Repair crew... Repair crews leave them alone, too. They're not real, so they never need servicing. Yeah, that's, that's oh, yeah, a great I was tip. Into that. Yeah, we I even like mentioned that, that mid-like recap. Exactly. It was very cool. One of the most common cover IDs for a spy is service personnel. Of course, anyone who works in intelligence knows to check service personnel. So a quick phone call to the gas company, and you've created a perfect distraction. I like this too. I thought this whole sequence was really fun. I also, it was the only time that they really like got to like work with Victor, work with Victor. And I had, I had fun with that. I liked, I wish that they had another spy friend to help them out because sometimes they need an an extra pair of hands. And luckily I think we're getting an extra pair of hands. If not next season, then the season season four. You think he's not until season four? I feel like season three might like, I feel like he might come in season three because, like, they need backup now that they're, like, out on their own. Well, I don't know. He's I guess like, we'll find out. Well, because he's an antagonist at first, isn't he? I don't remember. <laughs> I remember no. that he's a part of it eventually, but I do not remember any of the circumstances of this. I feel like he's an antag- antagonist. I feel like he has a similar relationship to the show that The Rock does to the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> like... He's, like, a good guy, but he's, like, working against Michael, and they turn him. I genuinely don't remember, so I have nothing left to say. Well, what I have to say is the active ingredient in pepper spray is the chemical capsaicin. Mixed with some alcohol and oil, pressurize it in a a paint sprayer with CO2, and you have a homemade pepper grenade that you only made out of things that you got from a hardware store that you found thanks to OnStar. (laughs) <laughs> capsaicin is like so he says chemical as if it's like an like an ingredient capsaicin is just like what makes spicy things spicy yeah but i mean it is it's a chemical and peppers it's like calling water yeah. dihydrogen monoxide it's like you're not special you're just a pepper but yeah this is this is useful yeah a few nails in the right places on a car door blocks the lever bar, making it impossible to open, leaving you free to do pretty much whatever you want. Anything <laughs> goes. Anything goes. There are no laws. It is a purge scenario. <laughs> well, suddenly, everything is legal if one person cannot leave his car. Uh, I, this is fine, although, like, I'll be honest, th- it happened so fast, I don't know if I would be able to correctly like put the nails into the car so that the lever bar doesn't open. I mean, I, I can watch this scene like five times. I get to watch a YouTube tutorial about how to do this and I would not be able to do it. (laughs) And maybe that shouldn't be our barometer. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, But that's it. That's six tips. That's six. That's, that's the second week of six tips. Yeah. So that one passes. Um, so now for the Wait, next were there thing, any yogurts or was it too action packed for yogurts? It was too action packed for yogurts. I don't think anyone ever got near a yogurt container. Bummer. Um, now here's a question that I think is worth asking. 
Was this spycraft over violence? Yeah, because they, they there was a lot of like uh everything he did with Victor was basically spycraft and like, you know, he called Fiona with a like a secret code and Fiona helped him like escape with her, you know, carefully set charges, which was violent but in a spy way cuz like, you know, yeah. the way that it happened. Ma- uh, Madeline and Sam got to like rig her house to explode. Um, and escaped out the back. That's granted violence, but like clever, you know. Yeah, they, there's they didn't a lot go, of they explosions didn't go out, and car chases in this episode. But the the like you and I talked earlier about how like it would have been fun to watch Madeline shoot her shotgun. Had she and Sam like gone out with shotguns, that I would have considered violence. But the fact that all of the violence and like explosions are to misdirect bad guys i think that that makes true. it count as a spy show because like they're not yeah. going for a direct assault yeah if if fee had been using the bombs to kill the bad guys right and if if yeah. uh what if victor was allowed to kill the guards outside of the thing like if yeah. they'd assassin creeded it you know and like took out the guards one by one and then went and got the thing Rather than like sending in a diversion and then like nailing their doors shut and that kind of stuff, like I think that that is enough to consider it spycraft over violence. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, there was no alias. Nope, no alias whatsoever. Not even the alias of, the of Michael Weston. No. Um, were Fee and Sam used well? Uh, Fee more so than Sam, but Sam did yes. get a lot of good like Madeline time, which I did appreciate. Yeah, he did get to he did get to be very. Excited about a classic car. That's true. And he did and get to be excited. He, he also got to interrogate Victor a little bit. We didn't talk about that scene very much because it, nothing happened in it that was interesting. But, like, yeah. Sam did get to interrogate, which, as we know, is Sam's favorite thing. Not exactly. torture. Interrogate. Advanced oh. interrogation. But still just interrogation. Yeah. So, I'll definitely, like, Fee definitely did. And yeah, she Fee, blew Fee, stuff up. She slapped and- him. <laughs> She, like, got, like, pulled up to the car all sexy-like. She literally shot Carla in the gut. That's true. She did, she did, Fiona killed a bitch this week. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fine. All right, so this is a great episode of Burn Notice. Was this a great episode of television? Um, I'm going to say no. No, I would not go that far. I do think like, it, it was It was fun. way better than last season, and I did have a lot of fun with it. But, yeah, I don't think I would count this as a great episode of television. Sorry, yeah, I, my friends. Yeah. No, I think, like, it was a very solid B-action movie. I think one of the things that's interesting about it is that it's finally doing a lot of things that the show is put off doing. So it feels satisfying. Oh, for sure. And I was satisfied in terms of a season finale. Yeah. No, it's kind of like how a lot of people like like Revenge of the Sith better than the other Star Wars prequels, mostly <laughs> because it actually pays off all the things that you'd want to see in a Star Wars prequel. <laughs> Despite the fact that it's still not like a well-made movie. <laughs> I mean, were any of the prequels, though? No. Um... But, like, it's that sort of thing of, like, you get you get some leeway just for, like, doing some things that you've been putting off doing. Like, yeah. there's, an inherent insi- there's an inherent excitement in that. And, hey, it finally did not have a case of the week. 
And well, for that, I'm proud. We did have a client. Fucking hell. Victor, yeah. the client. If, you know, if Victor was the client, then this is the first case we're in that client died. <laughs> the day the client died. The day the client died. I don't think Michael wants to count this as a client. That's fair. Yeah, it wouldn't look very good on his Yelp reviews for like, yeah, Warrior of Justice, Miami local hire. <laughs> warrior of Justice. <laughs> oh my! Well, he God. can't be a justice warrior because that's too close to those sissy liberals. Yeah. Uh, so since this is the end of the season, I feel like we should at least briefly reflect on it. So, do you want to hear our final tallies? Sure. Let's hear some tallies. So in season two of Burn Notice, uh, there were 16 episodes, 12 of Ooh, them. Good tally. <laughs> this is important for the context. So of these 16 episodes. Can I say, like, I didn't, I didn't realize that we were on the last episode until you tweeted about it. <laughs> I saw you on Twitter, like, we're about to watch the last episode of the season. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess we are. Mm-hmm. Huh. Didn't feel like that was coming, but okay. I know. It snuck up on me this time. Last season, I felt like there was a little bit closer. But this season, like, the the overarching arc was kind of a mess. Like, half of the season we spent on Michael being a part of some scheme that just never happens and is never brought up again. So, like, the pacing of the overall season was kind of bizarre. It was hard to follow what was happening. And then, like, Fiona was dating someone, and then she wasn't dating someone, and they were sleeping together, and then they weren't sleeping together. And, like, just, like, a lot of stuff happened that didn't have, like, a clean, you know. Well, like, I feel like the timeline of the first half of the season is very decompressed. And the timeline of the second half of the season is a lot more compressed. And there's also just a sense, like, in the first half, nothing was happening. I was thinking, like, yesterday... About how, remember at the very beginning of the season, how excited Michael was to find out that Carla spoke Arabic with a Kurdish accent? <laughs> I do remember like that. Was, that. that was it. That was the level that they were operating at. The level, the minuscule level of thing that was happening. And like in that whole first half, it was such minuscule breadcrumbs of like movement forward. And then now in the second half, it's just like, ah, like, shit's going down. Oh, it's bad. Victor's here. What the fuck? Frazier's dad? Carla's dead? What? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was a it was a very bizarrely paced season. But anyways, would you? can I please, for the love of God, get to the tallies? All right. Get to the tallies. Uh, the, we have to go through the data, Chris. All right. Go through the data. Of the 16 total episodes of this season. That's some data. Chris, I swear to God. (laughs) Twelve of them were episodes of television. Nothing more, nothing less. Four of them were great episodes of television, including the greatest episode of television, Bad Breaks. Mm -hmm. And 13 of 16 were great episodes of Burn Notice. That's pretty good. Uh, So that's compared to last season. Uh, So last season had 12 episodes where there were 10 that were an episode of television, two that were great episodes, and only six that were great burn notice episodes. So we 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 in we we doubled the number of great episodes of television and we we also doubled the the, the number of great burn notice episodes. So that's yeah, pretty and, good. 
Yeah, although like there's more episodes this season, so there's a hot, but there's a higher ratio. Yes, a of, far higher ratio of great burn notice episodes to, to not great episode. burn notice. Exactly. Although I would have to do the math on whether or not there's a higher ratio of great episodes of television. Um. Well, so are, it's 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 six to twelve. So, uh, uh, or I mean, the ratio is is better ish. But, but like. And Not also remember that, that, like, at the end of every episode that we didn't think was amazing, we, like, each time admitted, like, this was a much better mediocre episode. Oh, yeah. Episode no, this is we clearly a. Like, they went up a level in confidence. Oh, for sure. Oh, and also uh, for the yogurts. Uh, so in season one, there were nine yogurt sightings. In season two, they were 18 and a half. Jesus. So we. we they doubled and, and, the yogurts. We double the yogurts, and what's interesting about this is that there were quite a few episodes with no yogurt sightings whatsoever. What are we calling those episodes? Uh, the nogurts, the nogurt episodes. Thank you, Chris Sherry. Oh. Uh, but the the to to counteract the nogurts, there are three episodes with three or more yogurts in appearance. So like they. There were more yogurts overall because anytime we saw them, there was a higher likelihood that we would see multiple yogurts per episode. So they were more when clustered. They, when they went in on yogurts, they went in on yogurts. So was that episode a yesgurt? <laughs> no, it's just an episode with yogurt, Chris. Don't be stupid. Um, and as a reminder. A yogurt? Stop it. As a reminder, the reason that it's 0.5, so 18.5 yogurts, is that in episode nine, Campbell brought Michael a yogurt drink, and we decided that we would give him a half for that. Because technically it's not a yogurt, but it was a mention of yogurt. And so we, we wanted to count it for something. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's the half yogurt that we mentioned. So, um, yeah, that was the season. I had a lot more fun with this season than I did last season. Even oh, taking out agreed. bad breaks as, like, the obvious outlier of everything because it's so fucking perfect. It's actually unbelievable that it's a burn notice episode. Agreed. Yeah, no, definitely much better season. Um, Again, I don't think there's actually that much higher a ratio of better great episodes of television. Like, there is... Yeah, there's twice as many, but there are almost, but there were like four more episodes and like it's, there was definitely more, but like the thing about it is that they just got better at writing burn notice episodes. Uh, well, so the difference is season one, 16% of episodes in season one were uh, great episodes of television and a full 25%. Of season two were great episodes of television. There we go. Thank you for doing the math. I did. I did the math. And yeah, like that's, so that's, that's not a dram- that's not a dramatic uptick, but it's still an uptick. It is an uptick. And and given the overall higher quality of the season, like yes, there's a lot of progress was made. So now the question becomes: Is are we going to get even more of an uptick next season? Or I don't know. is this the high point? <laughs> well, with, given that there are five more seasons to get through, uh, three of which are 18 episodes long, I God. hope not. So next season but is like, also that 16 would be, episodes. That would track. I feel like most television shows' best seasons are two or three. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I mean, we'll see. Like, this show, it 
because of the way that this kind of show is set up, I feel like it has more potential to be good even later on because like the show is so simple in construction that as we saw with bad breaks, if it's just given like a really clear mandate and it lets the characters have a good time, then it doesn't matter where we are in the plot line. It just matters that like they're doing everything to the best of their abilities. This is true. And like bad breaks literally could happen any season. Like Michael and Fee could be married with two kids at home and that season, that episode would still make sense. Like, the context of that episode is irrelevant. The episode I mean, is just great. But I do think a lot of shows, like, even shows like this, they hit their stride around season two and three, and then they get tired. And that's not necessarily a function of, like, what the plot allows them to do. It's just, like, an exhaustion of ideas. That's maybe true. But... I'm, at least it means that next season probably will still be good and we can have this anxiety at the end of next season. Not yeah. now. For now, I'm feeling all right. Although I, although season fives tend to be pretty good. <laughs> what, what do you give, give me examples? Um, season five of Buffy. Really good. Season five of Angel. Also really good. Um, season five of Angel was really good. Um, I'm trying to think of some other shows. Uh, season five of Doctor Who, really good. Oh, um, yeah. Good call. Like, I, I mean, Doctor Who doesn't really count. Like, yeah, Doctor that... Who doesn't quite count. It's its own thing. Um, but yeah, I think in general, I think a good, like, a good rule of thumb is like, yeah, like, shows hit their stride, like, on season two, and then, like, really operate at the top of their game at, like, season three, maybe, two or three then they kind of falter on season four and then make up for it on season five. And then they run out of ideas. <laughs> and then they just do their best to hold on to the threads that they've been pulling so yeah. that, like, there's an okay X-Files. season finale. X-Files also finale. Has, has that. Oh, Seasons yeah, two I, and three I, are the I couldn't even finish season one five. of X-Files. I had such a hard time with that one. And I know how much you like it. And I know that theoretically it has all of the trappings of something I would really enjoy, but it's too old and the pacing is weird. It gets there. I know, but I can't watch a whole fucking season to get through that. This is fair. It's too much. I have to rewatch Outlander, Chris. Don't you understand? And also oh, burn God. notice for this podcast that we're doing. Um, I mean, do you have anything else to say? What if we just gave say? up? Someone else is doing it now. <laughs> never. Like, I will never let them take this from us. This is our thing. Don't you understand? Maybe this is freedom. I'll never be free. It'll haunt me. If we don't finish but Burn can Notice, be. it will fucking haunt me. I feel like I'm Fee right now. And you're <laughs> and Mr. I'm, Burn and Notice. I'm, yeah, and I'm, I'm Mr. Burn Notice. Mr. Notice. All right. Anything else you want to say before we end this season? Uh, no, just, I, I want to, I guess I want to thank our listeners for sticking around, even when I... <laughs> passive aggressively tweet articles about the word like to you uh i really do like we we are ironic on this show and we are sassy but i really do love doing this show uh as tired as i am and i love that you are all on this journey with us new listeners old listeners uh and future listeners who are listening to this after the robot apocalypse has already occurred thank you for being mm -hmm. here i love you very much and i can't wait to talk to you next season 
Yeah, what she said. <laughs> You're all right. You're all all right. You're okay in my book. And with that, uh, who did our theme music, Chris? Uh, I, uh, I want to thank Vincent Yell for doing our theme music. You can listen to more from Vincent Yell at vincentyell.bandcamp.com. And until next season, bye. Have a little hiatus. Is a treat. <laughs>